0: If you're enjoying the show so far, please consider helping by supporting our show. Although never expected, any support for our show enables us to keep bringing The Audiobook Club to your ears. Hello and welcome to The Audiobook Club. In this week's episode, we're so lucky to be joined by authors Brakefield and Berkey and the fantastic audiobook narrator of titles that includes the Enigma series, Derek Scholes. Thank you so much, all of you, for joining me on the podcast. How are we all today?
1: Great, thank you very much. Yeah, doing good.
2: Thank you. <laughs> uh, I, on the other hand, have been uh, highly controversial, so uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm just not coming out of my shell. So. <laughs>
0: You're staying guarded. I like it. <laughs> it's a good tactic. Um, as is tradition uh, on this show, I'd love to start by getting to know you all um a little bit better. Um would you be able to tell us a little bit about your background, um how you came into writing in the case of Breakfield and Berkey and uh audiobook narration uh, for Derek? Um can we start with our with our lovely authors?
1: Um sure, and I'm gonna start it out because, you know. We're going to do the ladies' first thing. Well, so by, by, um, by profession, I'm a technologist. So I've worked for several different manufacturers. I've been a subject matter expert. I've written manuals. I've done workshops. And so by way of segueing to your question, all of that is kind of like watching paint dry. And <laughs> so we decided that, that writing fictional novels might be more fun.
2: Yeah, that was the uh, a, a big impetus. Uh, we, had, uh, we did a, a couple of uh, um, high tech manuals, migrations, and stuff like that. But by the time when they were done, they were out of date. So, you know, I, I got mad, gathered up my par- marbles, and stomped off. And, and she's the one that says, come on, come, on, come back in the window, back, back, up, back off the ledge. You know, I've got <laughs> an idea. <laughs> so, That's where are can you
1: write stories and have fun and kill people and not go to jail?
0: nowhere. Getting your vengeance a out.
2: Yeah, it took us a good, yeah. a good while to be able to get even with a, a lot of the people that uh, have ticked us off over the years, but uh, <laughs> um, all of them have uh, it, it, uh, met the, uh, a very gratifying demise. I'll put it to you like that.
1: And we do still work full-time in our respective jobs, so you know, just kidding, we really do like working and, and we like the idea of exploring new technology, so you know, not to get it wrong, but it is more fun to write in our spare time.
0: Yeah, yeah, I get that. Absolutely, well, I have lots of questions about some of the things that you've just approached. Derek, how about yourself? Can we have a little bit about your background and how you got into narrating audiobooks?
3: <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, well, I've always had a bit of an acting bug. Um, when I was in high school, I was really studying to be more of like an artist and stuff. And I even went to college for graphic design, um, but, I still remember the first time I was on stage and how the audience responded and stuff. And that was really when I realized I liked acting more. Mm. Um, but, you know, my parents are like, yeah, you're gonna get a good real job. You know, <laughs> so <laughs> I ended up going for graphic design, uh, but I still did the you know, occasional um, stage performances and stuff, you know, locally and things like that. Mm. Um, a bunch of years passed and I was still like, you know, just practicing here and there until I actually heard about voice acting. and I. It's funny, you, know, you, you watch cartoons and you're a kid, you, you hear the radio commercials and the TV commercials, and you never put two and two together. There's an actual person whose job is to actually narrate those things. And I was like, oh my God, that's right, that's true. And you read it, then I started watching, the first movie I watched was, um, oh God, what was it called? It was put together by Joe DiMaggio. Um, I can't remember, it's a, the it's a one that's about, about voice acting. And it's great because it peels the curtain back and you get to see all the work that goes into it, the history of it. Mm. And I was like fascinated. So I started looking into it, started pursuing it. Uh, I took some courses in coaching online at the time. And um, my first, got my first, um, which at the time I didn't realize was an audiobook, <laughs> Wasn't supposed to be. And I hated it. <laughs> I hated the whole process. <laughs> it was it was a nightmare. I didn't know what I was doing. And I said, tell this, no. You know, Five years go by, and I'm doing commercial work, e-learning, all that stuff, and my schedule changes for my day job, and I reach out to the Global Voice Acting Academy, and I say, hey, what do I do? My schedule's all messed up. I can't do directed sessions now for commercial work, and they said, well, you can consider doing e-learning, which I was already doing, or audiobooks." and I'm like, really? Audiobooks?" books? So I said, go back to the first contract, so I said, all right, I'll take a look, and they say, go to ACX, take a look, I'm like, all right, so I went there, and I started looking, and the very first book I saw was this book two in a series, uh, you know, and it turned out it was the second book in the Enigma series and I'm reading it and I'm reading the dialogue and it's demo script and I'm starting to chuckle because it's this banter between two brothers. And I'm like, it just sounds hilarious. All right. And I figured what the hell, what the hell i will do it. So I narrate it. And of course there's another part too where it's between two female characters. And I'm like, okay, let's give it a shot. So I dove into some of my character work that I'd done and surprisingly enough i booked the dumb thing i was like oh my god seriously <laughs> and when i actually knew that it was an audiobook and that i had actually taken some coaching for how to do it i actually turned out like that I mean, instead of like the garbage of the first three that i did without knowing it this started off and i had a blast with it and you know doing god how many books have been now 12 in the enigma series and i swear um you know and then you know, then when I got hooked up by a publisher it was you know it was huge at that point and then I just most of my work now is audiobooks <laughs> so yeah. I rarely do e-learning and corporate stuff now it's all like I'm just booked solid for months ahead for audiobooks now. So yeah that's where it's kind of gotten to now.
0: That's fantastic.
2: I just love in those uh, those announcements like okay here's the next one I in, in, in the series in this uh, this new series and I'm like yeah. you Derek you go buddy you go <laughs> <laughs>
3: it's funny because in acting you really don't want to get typecast and yet you get audiobooks i'm like i, don't, I said to the to the publisher the, the, the casting director i'm like i don't really want to get typecast you know and yet sure enough i did so I, you know now i do sci-fi i do thriller and i do a little rpg i'm like you know what i'm cool with that that's a good way it's a movie house for me i like it
0: <laughs> that sounds fantastic there's worse things to be typecast as yeah i think it's a really yeah Absolutely. So, for listeners who are perhaps um, hearing of the Enigma series for the first time, um, could you tell us a little bit more about it and and where we can get started in in listening?
1: As Derek mentioned, there are 12 books, and there's also now a prequel as of last year called Out of Poland. So, the series itself is essentially the cyber good guys, which are called the R group, versus the cyber thugs, which is all of the Crackers, hackers and other sordid characters that might exist somewhere on the planet over the internet and so we take a a concept and we say okay identity theft and that really became the focus of book number one hmm. and so each book has a primary theme are the characters richer if you go through them in order of the series yes because they all grow up and change and that sort of thing but it's not necessary yeah. they, they've really been written so they can be on their own
2: yeah so um <clears throat> to kind of camp on to that the uh, there's there are different uh, threat vectors from the, the technology space um you know ransomware uh that's uh um, you know, shot at uh, different uh, uh organizations and cities that basically cripples them and uh, we take that you know that's the subtext for the uh drama and the the backdrop for you know the good guys running around trying to figure out where the bad guys are. How are they doing this? How do we stop them? <clears throat> and you know the actual dialogue that uh, that we build is a lot of stuff from, that we've done and seen and been in over the years in data centers. Um, and then uh, some people we've uh, we've known uh, gave us that, that rich background for mm-hmm. the dialogue and the character developments, and we have have a lot of fun with it. Uh, um, we were on a, on a call with uh, Channel 8 one time, and they hostess was uh, chatting with us about, you know, about the book series. And, and uh, you know, where do you get your ideas? And, uh, and I said, well, we're, and your characters. How do you build these characters? And we started off, and we said, well, we're, we're always we're always looking for good uh, um, uh, evil characters, uh, evil geniuses. And and um, I actually we're looking for a new uh, evil femme Patel. Do you have a resume, ma'am? So I, and uh, you could hear the laughter in the technicians in the back of the, uh, of the studio. And and I said, of course, the caveat is I, I won't need references. And by that time, you know, she'd be red. <laughs> she's in a pink dress and she's redder than the dress. So um, <laughs> um, we get these spontaneous ideas. And the, uh, each one of the books has, has a different flavor so that it's not the same story, it's not yeah. the same formula. Um, characters, we go through it. Um, and bring in new people
0: and shuttle out new people. Yeah. yeah. So the Enigma series covers a plethora of, of fascinating topics like cybersecurity, AI, cryptocurrency, to name a few. These fields are ever-evolving and, and can be so complex. Do you find it hard like, keeping up to date with it all? Does Does the research ever stop?
1: So that's why we have our day jobs, Johnny, yeah. is because the research is <laughs> hard
2: part of our work yeah a lot of times yeah. it just shows up now it's like <clears throat> yeah here you go all right here's a new problem uh, and i was work- working on one this morning and i'm like wow look at this <clears throat> so um that's yeah. already you know percolating through the uh, the story of um memory banks to be able to find its way through to the next uh, next book
0: yeah have you always been sort of fascinated by you know, because you must, if, if you know, working on your day job and then turning it into stories and, and exploring that even further, has, has technology and, and, and pushing the boundaries of tech always kind of fascinated you?
1: Um, it is fascinating. What's fascinating for, for us recently, and I say recently, probably the last eight years, is the shift from businesses using technology mm. as their mainstay to individuals demanding technology as their mainstay <laughs> because... There's a lot of security risks with individuals using security. That was pretty politically correct, wasn't it, Derek? It's
3: <laughs> <laughs> <That's> close, yeah.
0: <laughs> um, Derek, I'd love to touch upon your pre-production process with, with accents and character voices to tackle. Could you talk us through your process of developing so many character voices and perhaps your approach to to accents as well?
3: Well, I'll tell you, I've done, I have think by this point, I have done quite a few different series and stuff. And none of them has been as, as demanding as the Enigma series, only because <laughs> in, the Enigma series spans the world. And you have um, all, you know, you have different genders, different age groups, different, um, you know, economic, you know, disparities between people and different nationalities, different beliefs. So, when I do when it, when I get when I get a book from them, I basically the first thing obviously I obviously have to read the book because <laughs> you know you can't really tell the story right if you don't know how the story is going to go. Yeah. And granted, by this point, there's a huge foundation already built upon. So like I know the characters. Um, if we go back to like book two, which was the very first one I started with, um, I didn't know these characters at all, and I had a I had the idea I could listen to the first book and how that narrator did it but i'm like i really want to, to to make the characters kind of my own in a way not to disrespect it but you know there was only one book and when i talked to the original on narrator it was like just think of it like it's a um a, like in a tv series where you have the um, the pilot episode and you actually now take it on season one and sometimes the care sometimes the actors change and i'm like oh, okay that's a cool idea i like the way that you think about that so you know i had to dive into different accents and thankfully some of them i already had practice with like i um I had a Hispanic accent for a long time because, you know, in our town, there was a large group of uh, guys who came up from Mexico and worked in our town and they they taught me Spanish, Some words I shouldn't probably remember, but, um, (laughs) and so they really, I really honed it way back at a young age, but when it comes to accents, I've never had any exposure to, like when you get to like Polish or you get, ironically enough, I'm Dutch, but yet I have very little exposure to Dutch accents. So when you get stuff like in the Netherlands, I have to go to websites like uh, the, uh, the International Dialects of English Archive, hmm. which is this massive, massive repository of native speakers just speaking in their own accents from different countries all over the world. And I'll just sit there and listen. So I'll pick, because like, they're grouped by age and by gender. So if I if the character is described as a male in his 40s from this particular area, like they break it down even to what town these people are from. So I picked the geographic region and I started just listening over and over and I'm listening for the, the, the cadence, the rhythm, the the way they say certain vowels, the way they structure the sentences, pauses, things like that. Um, and it's huge because we've gone with characters who are from Japan, from China, we've got characters from Australia, from Romania, we've got characters from the U.S., you know, South America, Brazil is a huge one. So it's like... And you get into just Hispanic accents alone. God help you. Like Puerto Rican versus Cubano versus Brazilian. They're different. And people would tell you if they're different and you don't get it right. Yeah, yeah. So I, for me, I have to fixate on the accent to try to get it as accurate as possible. So I read through first and I put a spreadsheet together. If they don't have one for me of the characters, and I look for the main ones that read the MP. I also have an MP3 repository on my computer already of every character going back to book two. So I think when I count, I have over 180, 687 MP3s right now of all of these different characters because sometimes they'll pop back two books later. <laughs> <laughs> so I look for, see if anybody's recurring. And if there isn't, well, you know, the main cast usually is, although now it's the kids who taken all the versus the adults. So, but they might recur. Then I look for any, who's the main, who's the main quote, unquote, antagonist or the villain. Mm-hmm. And I look for them and I try to get them developed. Like, what is, the, what is, for lack of a better term, what's their motivation? You know, as goofy as that sounds, it sounds, it, it drives how you um, voice it. And now, on, uh, not to keep on going too long here, but there was one book, and I can't remember if it was book six or book seven, where he was this guy who was, he was this, uh, I think it was German, but he was trying to get one of their kids, Su Lin, who was Chinese, uh, Chinese type of security, to work with her to try to resolve this disease he had. And when I read through the book, I was picturing him as this cold, non-emotional character. So when I first started, I was writing notes and I'm like, okay, he's unemotional. He views human beings as nothing more than tools. But then it got to this like two thirds of the way through the book. And there's this scene that he's not technically in it, but the main characters are reviewing this like taped, tape, VHPCR via, via tape of him doing an interview from like the 80s. And he in the video is blowing up at this person in the audience and I'm, and i stopped and i'm like wait a minute if he's unemotional if he's has no care about he just he wouldn't have blown up he wouldn't be gripping the podium and ready to rip it apart and that changed the whole viewpoint of my character it's like he actually is a very passionate person but it's because he's passionate for himself. He's passionate to drive his own goals, ambitions. And he'll use, do, and say whatever it takes to get his way. And that completely changed like the first intro, which is between him and Sulin and how I had to deliver it. And I, it's my mm. favorite. I it's, honestly, it's one of my favorite chapters of the whole book. It's just the intro between him and Sulin. And it's like, I love it. I even use it for like audition stuff too, because it's like, I just loved it. But it's that thing where if you don't read it, you have no idea, you don't write down who the characters are and what they do and what they're like. You have no idea how to narrate them. And it's going to be a disconnect between you and the audience. And they're going to, they're going to be like, wait, that's not what I thought, this guy, that doesn't make sense. And I wanted to try to be as accurate as possible to what their motivations are, to their physical description and to their nationality. I want to be as true as possible to all of that. And this, yeah, it's pretty much the main core of it. And it's just, you know, spend the time making sure the accents are right. Yeah. making sure I record the samples and just get it down.
0: Yeah. I find that so interesting. I find that, that the whole process of inhabiting a character and letting the character sort of lead the narration rather than you leading it, if that makes sense. Um, I find that all really interesting. It's, it really does highlight the, uh, the art uh, form behind the narration process.
3: You were talking and it made sense because there was another one that actually Rox and Charles pointed out to me and it kind of ties into exactly what you're saying. And it was a, throwaway character one character in a book and he was a vet he was on the street he was a homeless vet in the streets mm. and he was just like an informant nobody nothing big nobody you know who cared but you know and I got to the point and I started to and this kind of ties to exactly what you're saying the character habit. The, the most important the most believable character is one that clearly has a story even if the story isn't told mm. and when I started reading this chapter I'm like "Well, why is this guy homeless he's a vet what did he do? What was he in? Was he in a war? Did he lose? And I started to build this whole story about this guy. Just this one little character. He was like in two or three chapters. And I had already decided he was in, he had been in Afghanistan. He had served for three tours, but he got, he got his, the, the, the Hummer he was in was hit with an IUD and most of his team he was hit was killed, but he managed to get pulled out, but he lost a leg. But the PTSD when he went back to the States affected him. He lost his family. He lost his life. He couldn't hold down a job because of sound and he ended up being homeless. So to get to that point now, because he obviously wanted to be an informant, he was helping the cops in spite of what could happen to him. So clearly there was a core of honesty and integrity, but what would happen to cause him to get to this point? And that's what really drove it. And I remember they, they, they were shocked by it. just a simple performance, but it was, it's that. It
1: was stellar.
3: Yeah. That was in
1: the Enigma Gamers, and, and he is okay, a yeah. wonderful little vet. Yeah, that's in there, and the other one you were talking about, remarkably enough, Derek is one that we just released as a second edition. That oh, was yeah. Sigma Always and Xavier. Always. Xavier is that wonderful. Yes.
2: Yeah. Now,
1: I'll, I'll,
3: I'll Xavier.
2: Yeah. To, to be fair, we don't just throw the book at, uh, at Derek and say, "Have a nice day." You know, and yeah. uh, do, <laughs> uh, you know, we uh, we do. I do exactly yeah. what uh, uh, what we think he's going to need. Okay, this yeah. is a throwaway character. This is we you you entered, you you got this voice characterization in back in book number yada yada, mm-hmm. uh, and here's a uh, an important character and maybe some of the uh, the flavoring for some of the yeah. uh, the, the voices that you're going to have to build, so that yeah. uh, you're you're not going in you know with without a, um, okay. any coaching I guess is part of the way. And, and you also
3: provide pronunciations too as well. It, it also helps that I have some experience in IT as well. So some of the stuff I'm like okay cool. But you might have a particular, because I know different fields of IT have different pronunciations of different things. You know, like IP, or you know, it could be any like you know, SMTP. There could be some kind of an acronym pronunciation. You guys have it different versus what I'm used to. So yeah. it's that's that's one of those critical files as well that I usually get from book.
2: So, now, yeah. every every once in a while, what we'll do is we'll have a uh, section where it's like, uh, okay, uh, Derek, here's the the scene. Uh, you may indulge yourself. And, uh, <laughs> yeah so yeah. we're looking for yeah. him to be able to uh, you know provide that uh, how would you present yeah. the scene so those yeah. are always quite surprising and quite uh, quite enjoyable
0: yeah it sounds like a great setup to be fair that sounds really interesting i'd love to um i'd love to know more about your writing process with that being two of you how do you structure your writing is is there a, a word count split evenly is is one more the ideas generator how does it work
2: well, we've got a, um, we use a patent pending technique called literary ping pong. And so what we do is, uh, uh, I'll wake up, um, you know, in a desperate, uh, uh, desperately out of breath saying, I know what I'm going to write next. And I'll whack on a chapter and then I'll ship it over to her and she'll take a look at it. And either one of two things will happen. Either it's like, okay, we can work with this. Or um, are you not taking your meds again? Come on, man. I mean, <laughs>
1: so so we actually rough out stories um at least a a a good portion of them and we kind of divide chapters up between one of us being the primary writer and one of us being the secondary writer and and we do go back and forth with them because we're not even in the same houses so you know i mean we write different segments his wife does the editing for us um so you know we go back and forth and the literary ping pong is really very true um there are other fibs in what he said but we're not going to go there but we definitely <laughs> try then we try and smooth it out at the end so it sounds only like one voice and yeah. i think derek derek's been surprised before because it doesn't sound like multiple people necessarily
2: yeah even once in a while the uh, the uh, uh the editor will say who wrote this and i'm like yes so I, we won't answer right? because it gets that polishing effort it gets the uh, um you know Uh, Her hands, my hands on it, our thought processes, uh, you know, is the character built the way they want, is the scene unfolding the way it needs to for the next, uh, the next hook and the next uh, uh, portion of the story. So it's uh, uh, very collaborative, um, uh, sometimes uh, um, very exciting and uh, very Uh dynamic.
0: Do you find it difficult, kind of, uh, so, so aiming for that main one voice for the story? Do you find it difficult in that process of polishing and making it sound one voice, or is it just something that comes naturally as, as a team?
1: Mm, No, it's difficult. (laughs) Um, You know, I mean, it it just is because even when you write by yourself, you'll write one way on one day, and you'll write another way on a different day. Right. And at some point in time, it has to be smoothed whether it's by your editors or, or whatever happens to it. Mm. Um, you know, we have the same same kind of thing going back and forth. We don't write the yeah. same every day. We write every day, but it's just not the same.
0: Yeah, I get you. I get you. Your, your latest novella, um, Out of Poland, uh, also narrated by Derek, which is handy, um, is currently uh, available for pre-order. Uh, I believe it's releasing in August this year. Is that right?
1: It'll be releasing on our website in August of this year. It's actually available right now on another right. platform, um, right? But on our own website, we're trying to trying to release the books on our uh, own
2: website. Yeah. Okay. Uh, right, now, <laughs> right now, we're in a, a finalist category for that Audible and the Roan Awards. Again, you know, I mean, um, we're we're so. I'll just go ahead and put the motion on the table. We're so proud of uh, of the work that uh, that Derek does. Yeah. Uh, with our properties that uh, um, we'll we'll sit, uh, submitting to the uh, every competition that we find, that, uh, Here's <laughs> that. You know, here's the, We know it. This is this is a good property, and uh, yeah. um, We've been able to uh, uh, share some uh, some very good wins uh, with uh, his talent. Uh, we um, have.
1: Yeah. We've yeah. Fi- yeah,
2: been, fine- been finalists.
1: Been finalists. So it's funny when I get an
3: email
1: like that. <laughs> we've been finalists in the here now with Derek. Um, so we all took a trip to Kansas City, which was kind of different and exciting. He's run a Roan Award for the Enigma Stolen. Um, so now we're up for another one that we hope to win without a Poland.
0: Yeah. Fantastic. But there's
1: some surprises where we send you announcements and go, hey, by the way.
3: I love it. It's like, wait, what? what are we up for now? Wait, what? <laughs> I love that comment. Wait, what? I am we did no kidding <laughs>
0: well, a huge congratulations to your previous wins and and also obviously fingers across for you um this time. I mean, it must be incredibly rewarding as well to know that people are taking notice of the hard work that you're all putting in. It
1: is wonderful actually
0: going back to um out of Poland, could you tell us a little bit about what we can find in that story if we haven't purchased it yet, what we can what we can look forward to in that story?
2: Well, what happened with that one is it was actually, um, we wrote it with the idea that it was a backstory for the R group. Mm -hmm. Where did they come from? We had had somebody say, where'd these people come from? I mean, this is, uh, you you say, you know, the Enigma machine, but um, so we take it all the way back to Poland, 1939, when the Germans invade uh, Poland. And they basically blow through in like 21 days, all well, 30 days. Um, and we postulated um, that the uh, their communications encryption device called the Enigma machine was the uh, was the prize that these three uh, Polish nationalists steal. And then um, their job is to get out of Poland with it to get it to the Allies. So that's the uh, the premise for it. And then. Um, that is the beginning of the R group. They see that, okay, you know, tyranny just doesn't end with this, uh, this event. It's mm-hmm. going to be something we're going to fight through our, our lives. We will teach our children to do that. And by the third generation, which is the current day, our group, um, this is their heritage, and this is why they're so passionate about fighting the cyber bad guys. Yeah.
1: So it is a historical fiction, so it is a deviation from the thrillers that we write in the series itself Johnny to be honest with you so mm. it, it is a bit different so there are some historical facts in there there's some historical embellishment in there um but a lot of it's very realistic to the time and place in Poland in
2: 1939 yeah mm. All right. sounds like so sort of a prequel to the uh, to the art group and so when we put that together uh, we also tinkered with a um a uh, toyed with the uh, the concept of turning it into a screenplay and so we have that um that uh, we're still shopping uh here and there uh, looking for um interested parties that might be uh, um curious about how to be able to uh, take a historical fiction and put it on screen
0: yeah that'd be fantastic Wow. There's a lot of exciting things in the works there. All of the uh, links and information and things will be available uh, in the show notes. Um, So I really suggest that the listeners uh, do go forth and check that out. Um, A lot of our audience um, happen to be budding audiobook narrators, some in their uh, early stages of their career. Derek, your glowing testimonials and reviews, they, they speak for themselves. What would you say to narrators just starting out in order for them to leave the best impression possible with uh, project rights holders, uh, casting teams, and, and authors such as our lovely ones who are with us today?
3: Um, a couple things. First off, um, don't consider yourself just a narrator. You're a voice actor. Hmm. This, is, this is acting. So you need to be able to act. So you need to be able to take words that aren't yours and make them your own. Because if you don't, then all you're doing is just reading words. And anybody can do that, sure. But what really gets people's attention makes them leave comments that they, that they loved it or even that they hated it because guess what? It's acting and you're gonna get people that love and hate you because this is people, you know? So you have to have a very thick skin, um, but if you really wanna get into it and are serious, you know, first treat it like it's, treat it like it's a actual, requires training. And it does, this is, um, it requires a lot of endurance. Um, I typically say when I'm talking to new authors, um, you know, you're looking at a four to one ratio to actually produce an audiobook. It's going to take you four hours for every one finished hour. So mm-hmm. if it's like a ten hour audiobook finished, you're going to be spending forty hours on this piece. Mm-hmm. So that's in, not even really including research time either. Yeah. So you've got to be able to handle that consistent. Keep the narration voice consistent throughout the whole story. Mm-hmm. Make sure that the characters are consistent throughout the whole story. Um, Do your research so that you don't have listeners going, that's supposed to be, you know, Italian, and it sounds like it's Australian, what the, this is a garbage, you know, Um, and I always encourage people, if you are serious, seek, seek out a coach. I've worked with about three different coaches. And each one for different types of audiobooks, one for nonfiction, one for fiction, and one for character performances. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of them out there. Always look for somebody who actually has experience, and it's easy. Just go to Audible, search for the narrator, and see how many books they've got. Yeah. You know, I have 71, but I know some that have over 1,000, and those are the people that you really want to learn from. So yeah, I would say those are the key things. Take it seriously. It's yeah. not just a hobby.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I I couldn't agree more. Um, when it comes to post production, do you, is that something you tackle as well, or do you outsource to um, other 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 people? Not <laughs>
3: when I first started, I did it because I do like to have experience, so I understand what goes into it. Yeah. Um, but as things started to pick up, this, you know, like I just found that there was no way for me to be able to meet deadlines effectively if I'm narrating, then proofing it because you have to proof it. Yeah, yeah, and that's running it through, comparing to the manuscript, making sure you're not mispronouncing things, contract, you know, make turning two separate words into contractions, making sure you're not missing whole words or sentences, because that can happen. Um, and I, I never encourage people to do it themselves. A lot of people will say, oh, yeah, sure, it's, you know, it saves you money. Well, the problem is it'll cause more work because you're used to your own voice, you're used to the way you speak. And you need somebody who isn't you to be able to say, hold on, you didn't say this right. This is the yeah. pronunciation, or this is the word. Um, so there's a the proofer and I'll send it off to them. So they're always, I always to schedule them out. They send me back the corrections. So I get like a spreadsheet of, you know here's a page of the PDF. This is the word that the phrase you said this is what you're supposed to say. And then this is the time. And a lot of times I'll get like a, an MP3 of my record so I can get the proper tone. Yeah. And then I'll record I'll record the corrections. And then I send it to a producer. who's a separate person. Well, sometimes it is, but there's one guy I work with who does both. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he'll take those and he'll actually put them in, replace them into the auto corrections. That way, cleans it up so there's no background artifacts. Usually, I try to keep in a clean room myself, so I don't have too much like static or you know, yeah. um, clicking or stuff like that. Um, but really, it, when I do an audiobook nowadays, it's a three person team, unless it's for a publisher. Like if I'm doing stuff for Tantor or Gildan, actually, not it's Ascent now um, or one of those guys, they have their own proofers and producers. So all I do is just the narration, and then mm-hmm. I just wait for them to send me the correction back. Yeah.
0: It's, uh, it's a game changer outsourcing <laughs> best production, isn't it? <laughs> but,
3: yeah. But, yeah. You, it's like, and if you do it and you do it, you've got to make sure to budget that into because you know, when I first yeah. did that, I didn't take that into account. So I took it out of my own narration rate. Nowadays, it's like you know, when people look at it, it's like, oh, that's a lot of money. I said, not really, because yeah. you're not paying for the production time. You're paying for the final runtime and you're paying yeah. for three people, basically. So they're yeah. like, oh, yeah. OK, that makes sense now. Yeah. Like, we I want to give you the best quality. One person, I'm, I'm a narrator. I'm not an audio engineer. Like you want somebody who's skilled in that to give you that quality and that skill and that attention.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. A hundred percent is a whole. It's a whole to the profession. Um, just uh, to Rox and Charles, when when casting for your books, what is it that you are? I, I know you're working with Derek now, but if we, if we can role play to before, um, when casting for your books what is it that you're looking for in a narrator? This could be in their performance or perhaps even the way that they communicate with you. What are you, what are you looking for out of that business relationship?
2: Well, we started off with a, uh, okay, uh, here's a sample of, uh, of what we're, here's a good, a good example of what is going to be in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, your voice ranges. I mean, are you, uh, you, know, are you good, good with this? Are you, to Derek's point, are you reading the words and not uh, emotion out of it? Or are you hmm. living the character? Are you, you know, are you making when when we're listening to uh, his uh, his chapter, chapters he sends through to us, um, it is amazingly different than what we wrote. And it's like, give me my popcorn. I want to hear that again. You know, <laughs> What's what coming through? I mean, I, I mean, if it's if it doesn't get you that extra dimension that that, um, that you were uh, you didn't know that it was coming because uh, this isn't different media this isn't written this is spoken and this is not and to Derek's point is it's acted and so if you don't get that um and we got that from Derek Dave from the first sample and we we're like okay um the other two people tell them thank you very much but um well
1: actually it was four people and so you'll get demos when you when you take a look at the background of a narrator you'll get demos from them based on on the content Mm -hmm. that you send. And as Charles Mm -hmm. says, there has to be a variety. And that's good and we get samples and all that. The other element that's important though is a partnership. Mm -hmm. So this is an actual perfect example of that partnership. Um, I felt comfortable giving you Derek's contact information to see if he'd like to join this show. And we have done these kinds of things before because because we are a partnership overall. If we do well, he does well, he gets recommended. Mm-hmm. And, and and so that's how you build good partnerships and good collaborative relationships with people. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: so that's important as well as you know, the stellar narration and voice acting that he does.
3: Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. And if I can if I can make one comment too, for, for authors, trust the narrator. Like trust that they're gonna give you the best that they can get. If you listen, like Brock said, if you listen to four or five, six narrators and the one you like, you pick them, there's a reason you pick them, you know? If you start nitpicking and trying to direct the into every chapter, you're taking an actor out of it and you're just turning them into a machine and you're not gonna get a performance. You're, and you don't want melodrama. You don't want somebody acting to the back row, but there's a balance. And if they're trained and if they take it seriously, like Rock, said, Rock, to Rock and said, you're going to be shocked because they're going to give you a performance you didn't expect, you didn't think of because you've inhabited these characters but maybe you missed something that you wrote that they picked up on and now turn that into the character and it's a core element. So that's my one big thing that I hear in groups all the time. Trust the narrator. You know, Work with them. Like you said, make it a partnership. You hired a professional. Let them be a professional.
2: That's one of the things we learned in the uh, screenplay um, writing efforts we've been doing. Um, Not to put too many demands on the list. They basically say that's why sometimes we'll put that uh, that comment in the uh, the uh, the note sheets that I send you. Um, Mm -hmm. Please indulge yourself here. Give us your interpretation because um, I want to see what you can do. So um, that's good counsel. Yeah, you know, trust the narrator. Yeah.
0: I guess it's like really like leaning into that collaboration aspect of all working together all you know, in your different suits and things. Yeah, it makes it a pleasure, I guess. So we do just have time for one more question, which I'll open to everyone. Um, And it's been such a pleasure to talk to you all. Um, To finish us off, is there any upcoming projects, anything approaching in the diary that you're excited about? Perhaps a new book in the pipeline. You mentioned uh, the screenplay there. Is there anything there we can uh, we can perhaps look forward to?
1: Well, Derek, we haven't called you yet, but <laughs> the new book is with the uh, printer right now. So um, yes, yeah. the uh, right. the flower enigma is okay. that, nice. is, is our next uh, next book that's coming out. We do need to talk with you about it. it is yeah. it's different too? It's a it's part of a a crime mystery series. Mm, it's a little different flair, but you will have a couple of characters you've met before, so.
3: Okay, cool. Look forward to it. <laughs> right. as, far, as far as me, you know, I, I, I uh, Tantor keeps me busy. I uh, uh, currently have a nonfiction title about cryptocurrency, which is actually a collection of essays written by, I can't remember his first name, but it's Buterin, who was the inventor of um, uh, Ethereum. um and especially with everything that's happened recently it's actually a fascinating read to see because it goes back a couple decades to when he first started writing about it and it's interesting to see that perspective and where we're at now with crypto um but also there's um the underdog series that i've been narrating now since i think we're on book seven or eight of that with tantor that's gonna have another one coming soon
0: Sounds great. Sounds like you're all keeping pretty busy. Um, That just about does it for this episode of the Audiobook Club. Uh, All of the relevant links to social media accounts, websites, where you can learn more about the Enigma series, uh, will be linked in the description uh, and the show notes. Uh, Thank you so much for making us a part of your day. And another huge thank you to Breakfield and Berkey and Derek for joining us. It's been uh, an absolute pleasure to talk to you.
1: Thank
2: you
0: for having us, John. Thank you, too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks, Derek. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Audiobook Club. This episode was sponsored by Pro Audio Voices. If you have a story you want to bring to life, head over to proaudiovoices.com to get in touch with industry professionals that can take care of every step of production, as well as offer support and guidance with marketing, growing your brand, and boosting your sales. Once again, that's ProAudioVoices.com. Thanks for listening.